the old me, the me that before the car accident, what I would do is once my kids were in bed, I would get my snacks, I would get my laptop, I would sit on the couch, I would turn on the TV. It's called like bedtime revenge. And it's because you have so little control over your day that even though you know you should be going to sleep, you are looking for a little bit of comfort time, some downtime. And it's because you haven't built enough self-care throughout your day that you have a hard time shutting off the external sources of self-care like Netflix and Instagram or whatever. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes so that you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. Have you ever asked yourself, why am I so tired? I have many times. Because when I was exhausted, it was all I could ever think about because it wore on me hour after hour. There was no escaping it. Because feeling tired all the time is extremely disruptive. Being exhausted impacts your physical, emotional, and mental state all at the same time. It's no wonder we are not our best selves when we are tired. So why are we so tired? For many of us, We are just burned out. We've been running on fumes for too long, and we have been borrowing from Paul to pay Peter. You and I both know that we can only run on fumes for so long until it all catches up to us. Our body keeps score, and feeling exhausted and depleted is the biggest symptom of burnout. So how do you even know if you're experiencing burnout? I'm going to share some statements, and if you can relate to two or more Of these statements, most likely you could use an energy and hormone reset because there's definitely some burnout going on. If you find yourself saying, I got to go, I'm running late, I'm super busy. You find that your calendar is consistently overscheduled. You find that you're upset when things change unexpectedly. You feel irritated when obligations stack up and you're not able to handle them. You are often overwhelmed by the lack of support you have every day. You wake up feeling like there isn't enough time in the day to get everything done. You go to bed worrying that you did not finish your to-do list or even get close to it. You frequently feel like there's always something more you should be doing right now, like right now. This was me for many years, more years than I can count. And I have a feeling that it's been you too. So I want to take a moment. Did you have a chance to add up those statements? And again, if you can relate to two or more, definitely burnout is on the horizon if it's not already here. Now, today I have a guest who has related to more than two of these statements that I gave you a second ago. And I myself have definitely been there where I could check off every single statement that I had just said. My amazing guest is Dr. Amy Shaw, and she is the author of the new book, I'm So Effin' Tired. (laughs) We're literally going to be talking about this today. We're going to be talking about why we are so tired and how to take the first step to move towards more sustainable energy. Now, especially if your life has been feeling pretty crazy, this conversation is for you. It is time to get your energy back and reclaim your health. Because as I shared on episode 272, which I'm going to talk about in just a second, 
Energy is a direct result of what is going on with your body. Energy is a direct symptom of your body not having enough cellular energy to function. Now, as you know, I love talking about this topic because this was literally one of my biggest missions is to help you get your energy back or to help you get your best friend's energy back or your sister's energy back. Whoever's energy is struggling in the world that you know, that is my commitment to myself is to provide as many tools and recommendations and just really body literacy, understanding what is going on when we just feel so depleted. Now, recently I did a quick episode on five simple ways to create instant energy because I believe in easy wins. I believe in super simple wins, wins that you and I deserve to experience every single day. And that's literally what this particular episode was about, was five simple ways to create instant energy. It was literally just a little over a week ago, a couple Fridays back, um, episode 272. And so after you hear this conversation with me and Dr. Amy Shaw, I highly recommend to go and check out that episode if you are looking to harness some energy literally today. Now, before I bring Amy onto the show, I want to quickly sing her praises. Dr. Amy Shaw is a double board certified medical doctor with training from Cornell, Columbia, and Harvard. She was named one of Mind Body Green's top 100 women in wellness to watch in 2015 and has been a guest on many national and local media shows. She helps busy people transform their health by reducing inflammation and eating more plants, utilizing the power of the microbiome to help digestion, natural hormone balance, and food sensitivities. She's an expert on intermittent fasting for women and the author of the new book, as I mentioned before, I'm so effing tired. So let's welcome Amy to the show. Welcome to the Essentially You podcast, Dr. Amy Shaw, honey. How are you doing today, girl? Oh my God, what an honor to be here and be with you, the super mom, the super author, and just being part of this. Thank you for having me. Oh my goodness, right back at you, right? Super mom, super author, your book, Why Am I So Effing Tired? Girl, that was my anthem you know, a decade ago. <laughs> Actually, it's called I'm So Effing Tired. Oh. And the reason yes. we called it I'm So Effing Tired is because apparently there's a supplement called Why Am I So Effing Tired? And I had no idea, but the book is called I'm So Effing Tired. Oh, thank you so much for the correction. I was like, okay, why am I? And I've, I have the title in Audible. I have it. I've seen it so many times. And for some reason, I don't know why I thought that why was there, but I know that that's what women are thinking. Why am I so tired? You and I have been hearing this over and over and over again. The biggest complaint I hear from women, I've been hearing it for years. I recently, we surveyed 50,000 women and it was the number two most disruptive symptom. Number two. And number one was weight resistance. And, and that's all tied to the exhaustion piece as well. And we're going to be talking about today is how do we get our energy back and how like literally the habits and the rituals that we can cultivate to get the thing that is so covered but feels like it is so far away. Absolutely. Now, what I want to know before we get going is, Amy, honey, what, what was that defining moment? Like, what was the impetus for this book, but also for your work? Because I know you've been diving into this for a long time now. And that book was on the kind of on the other side of the work you've been doing. Yeah, this is such a great question. I, like you, was always in my to-do list. I know you're there right now because you're in the middle of a book launch. You have a baby. 
I was constantly my to-do list and I always felt like I couldn't be everything as a mom. I always need to do more. And I wasn't doing everything as a doctor. Like I could be doing more. And I just was never in the place that I was in. I was always in my head and it was really weighing on me. I felt stressed, tired, but wired. So meaning that I was exhausted at the end of the day, yet I couldn't sleep. My mind was going 20 million miles per hour and I couldn't relax out of my to-do list. And, and then I had these symptoms, like I had bloating and I had fatigue, I had sleep loss, I had anxiety, and I just didn't know what was wrong with me. Basically, I kept on going with these symptoms. I even got my blood work done, which was, you know, quote unquote normal. And they said, you know, you're a mom, you're busy, you have a practice, you're getting older. Like, you know, it's probably just basically saying I was crazy. And all of a sudden, one day, shortly after that blood test, I was in my car trying to race to get my kids. They were at a center that was going to close down in about 15 minutes. And I was exactly 15 minutes away. And I had just left an impromptu work meeting. And I was too embarrassed to tell them that I had to run. And so what I was doing is I literally was sprinting out of the building. And, you know, everything's falling everywhere, you know, that feeling of like, I just I need to get and I got in my car and I'm like driving like a maniac. Because all I can think of is like the minutes are counting down. What will the lady think of me at the center? She'll be like, you're such a bad mom. And like always, I was in my head and I was making these crazy turns. And at the last turn, right before I was getting to the center, I got into a huge car accident. And it was a moment that's changed my life because for what felt like minutes, I was spinning and all I have never seen the airbags in the entire car behind me, in front of me, on the side of me inflate. And I have never seen a shower of, of glass. And I've been in car accidents before, but this was something different. The crazy thing, and you will understand this, is that the first thing I did when I realized, when I felt like I was, okay, I was conscious was I opened the door and I was trying to run out because the center was like right across the street from where this happened. And I said, I need to go get my kids. They're going to be waiting for me because in my mind, I was still thinking like I needed to be there and be everywhere all at once. And the people looked at me like I was crazy. And it was really not my fault. It was kind of like a decision that I shouldn't have made on a defensive driving mode, you know, not making a turn when I know that there's some reckless people out there. But in in the end, what I learned is that I had to do something. I had to stop this madness, this mad life I was living. And I know that somebody listening or watching can relate to this because so many of us live these lives. And I go back to living up like a version of that life sometimes even today. And so what I learned in that time that I was off from work and, you know, couldn't really do much was that I need to change my life. And I took the first step that day. And since then, uh, that was almost 10 years ago. Now I have learned a lot. And part of my learning was to express how I was healing myself. Um, and I shared it through blogs and I don't know if you remember, but we met a few years ago at JJ's conference in San Diego. And that was kind of like, I was just getting going with my share, just 
basically sharing what I was working for me. And obviously I could tell that other people were interested because they had the same issues. But it wasn't until this first book that I actually kind of put it down into, uh, onto paper into a kind of an organized way and have some recommendations in there for someone who's going through a similar crisis. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, I feel that so much, Amy, that rushing women's syndrome, where we are just trying to go from one thing to the next. And I can just picture you and imagine you getting out of that car and being like, whoa, 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 I got to go get my kids first. And everyone's looking at you like you were just in a car accident. What do you mean you got to go get your kids? And that is just the the mama driver, the woman driver, the rushing woman driver. I think we can all see ourselves in your story. And it's so real and it's so tangible, but I bet people have chills hearing that that moment. And, you know, and and realizing, you know, I don't know what that that moment was for you where you went from, I gotta go get my kids real quick to what am I doing? Like, I got to reevaluate how how all this is working. Even though that car accident wasn't my fault, I was still in it, you know, and, 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 and I was rushing to get to one way or the other or, you know, the next day it could look the same exact way. You know, for you, was it a mindset shift? Was it kind of redefining how you wanted life to be moving forward? You know, was it that you had injuries or you had to like slow down for a moment? Kind of what was that moment for you? I think so many of us know something's wrong, but we are just too busy to even address it. And when I had that little bit of time to actually rest, to get a good night's sleep, to actually not have something to do that day, except of course, all the stuff that comes with car accidents. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I realized that just, I just stepped out of my to-do list, my busy life for a minute. And when you self-examine your life, things become clear. And so I had started reading even before that, because I knew there was something wrong with me. I had started to read books on Audible, like we just talked about, because I was so busy and that was the only time. And I already had the spark in my mind that I needed to change something. And so that pause, being able to self-examine, look at myself from afar and see, okay, I eat the same things every day. I do the same um, routine. I go to the same gym. I go, I have the same, but are these things serving me? Are they energizing me or are they robbing me of energy? So one thing I would do, and I know you're into hormones, so you could totally relate to this, is that I would skimp on sleep because in our society, we are told that if you're a super person, woman, super mom, super whatever, you don't have time to sleep, like sleep in your dead. Sleep is like, you know, overworking and it's a luxury. Yeah. And <laughs> that burning out is like a medal of honor that you have actually, you're doing enough. So I fell into that trap. I did not sleep because I thought, oh my gosh, if I sleep, that's like what you do if you're on vacation. And then I would wake up exhausted, but I would want to go for my morning workout because I thought, well, this is how you get in shape, right? You go for an early morning. Like I thought 5 or 6 a.m. was like the time that you should do your workout. So I did a super heavy workout, like a CrossFit or high intensity workout or run. And then I would be famished and I wouldn't have planned anything to eat for the day. I would just kind of wing it. And I know so many people do the same thing. Like, oh, I see a smoothie store right there. I'm going to pick something up real quick. A coffee shop, I'm going to pick something up real quick. And what I was doing is, 
I really was stressing my body out. I wasn't sleeping enough. I was exercising a lot. I had a lot of mental stress. And then I was eating convenient health foods, which to me, when I look back at it, I'm like, wow, these things were so unhealthy for me. But I, I consider, I'm like, okay, a latte with like syrup is better than a donut or whatever. So in my mind, I was making like healthy choices. But I realized I was really just fueling that inflammation, the cortisol, the hormone imbalance. And no wonder I was feeling exhausted. I was bloated. I was anxious. I was short with my family. I can't even believe that the, the day that I structured that I thought was you know, going to be good for me was actually really damaging my hormones and my gut health and my immune health. Mm, and your mitochondria. Yes. Your poor, poor, poor <laughs> mitochondria, right? We were talking about a book, I'm So Effing Tired. Well, it is your mitochondria, right? They're the ones who are taking a beating, the powerhouses, and you're talking about not sleeping, right? It's so f crazy how 10.30 p.m. can become 2.30 a.m. in a matter of seconds. <laughs> a few Amazon purchases, a <laughs> couple of Instagram deep dives, and there you are. And then you are working that morning. You are doing the thing that high achievers do. High achievers get up at five in the morning. High achievers do their workout first, right? You think about the high achiever lifestyle and everyone gets up early to handle their, that's how you create success, right? So you're talking about burning the fuse on both sides. You are diminishing the cortisol awakening response. Your mitochondria are completely stressed. And what then, you know, they go into stranger danger mode. They just shut down. And it's no wonder we are exhausted. And one of the big things I know when I'm, I was reading your book, and I was so happy to see this, is your conversation around circadian rhythms and how probably one of the biggest detriment to mitochondria and hence your energy production is the lack of circadian rhythm that we, we have these days. We've completely taken for granted. Talk to me a little bit about, because clearly you had to rewire your circadian rhythms, right? Yeah. Think about it. So many of us, you know, you're probably waking up in the middle of the night. Yes, a lot of three people, times. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. And a lot of us have no control. You know, you have jobs that are overnight. Um, you're a, a night shift worker because you're a central employee during this time of COVID. So yes, there are things that you have no control over when it comes to circadian rhythms. And for people who don't know what circadian rhythms are, because I realize after doing all these conversations around my book that so many of us haven't even heard of a circadian rhythm. So what a circadian rhythm is, is an internal clock. We are cyclical beings. We actually have a circadian rhythm. We have an infradian rhythm. We have an ultradian rhythm. So the ultradian rhythm is like the breath, the rhythm of the breath, the heartbeat, these really short rhythms. Then there's their circadian rhythm, which is very important, the light and dark 24-hour, approximately 24-hour cycle that our bodies work on basically 80% all of our genes, almost all of our genes have on and off patterns, depending on whether it's day or night. And then we have our infradian rhythms as women, especially we know this very well, our 28 day cycle where energy and all kinds of hormones are flowing up and down through the month. And so what I want to explore with people in this book is circadian rhythms, infradian rhythms, ultradian rhythms. How do we live with these rhythms? So circadian rhythms are maybe the most important when it comes to energy. Your, when you sleep, 
when you eat, the amount of light that you're getting during the day is going to determine how good you feel, how healthy you are, and how energetic you feel. So, so someone like you who is not getting, you know, adequate circadian rhythms, um, adequate light, one of the tricks I'll tell you, and a lot of moms or non-moms who just had disrupted circadian rhythms can do, is in the morning before 10 a.m., close as close to you know waking time as you can go outside actual natural light it doesn't matter if you live in a warm sunny place or if you live in a cloudy environment the light that you get through an overhead light is um, maybe a thousand lux or 500 lux uh, the light that you get outdoors even before the sun comes up is 10,000 lux and then with a sunny day, it's 100,000 lux. And this is what your body needs to not only turn on the morning processes of metabolism, of thinking, of energy, but also to reprogram things so that it knows that about 12 hours from now, you're going to need to start winding down. So people will notice improved sleep, improved energy during the day, improved metabolism, just by getting that morning natural light. There are so many studies that talk about nature and its effect on the brain. But now we're learning that it's not just about being in nature. It's about getting that natural light right into your retina that goes to your brain and resets the entire system. So that's really, really important. I love that. And what I love so much about that first step, Amy, is that all of us can do it. We all can just go outside. You know, pretty much when you wake up, if you want that cortisol awakening response to roll, you want to turn on the genes that say it is wake up time. You want your mitochondria to turn on. We've got to get out in that sun. We've got to get that natural light. That is, and you converting the vitamin D. I mean, all of it. It's such a big benefit. And, you know, getting out outside in the natural light, I feel like we can all do. I feel like the thing that we struggle with, because a lot of us don't know to do that. And I'm so grateful you're giving us that little piece of advice. I think the area where a lot of us struggle is the wind down to bed right? Because they're both, I mean, this is a big win. This is like that first little step win. But talk to me about the thing that we all struggle with, which is getting to bed, turning off all the blue light, you know, putting away the electronics and getting that deep sleep and that REM sleep. So think about it, guys, when we're, you know, the old me, the me that before the car accident, what I would do is once my kids were in bed, I would get my snacks, I would get my laptop, I would sit on the couch, I'd turn on the TV, and I would work or study or get something done for the next day. It's called bedtime revenge. And it's because you have so little control over your day that even though you know you should be going to sleep, you are looking for a little bit of comfort time, some downtime. And it's because you haven't built enough self-care throughout your day that you have a hard time shutting off the external sources of self-care like Netflix and Instagram or whatever, you know, snacks. cookies, snacks. Yeah. The snacks you've got. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so one of the things I did right away is I started to do a circadian fast. Now, for those of you who don't know what a circadian fast is, is something that's so intuitive and so biologically and evolutionarily sound. Yeah. We don't do it. It's basically stopping 
eating food about two to three hours before bed. So if you think about it evolutionarily, you know, when we were hunter gatherers, there was no microwaves and 24 hour drive throughs. We just basically ate our meal. And when it was dark, you barely ate at all. If anything, there was nothing to eat. And you basically went to bed soon after, you know, two to three hours after your meal, you were uh, winding down for bed. And so I started to do that. And one thing that happened is one, without my snacks, the sitting in front of the computer and the TV wasn't as fun. And then when I thought, oh, I should shut off all the blue lights. And so I would turn off the TV and then I would put the blue light blocker on my phone. And then I realized, you know what, I should probably get to bed. Like there was this feeling that I could go to sleep when, I, when you're fasting, even if you're fasting short overnight fast, you will notice that um, it's much easier to do kind of like that nighttime routine. And then I started getting deeper. So I did the circadian fasting. Then I started to turn out, down the blue lights. It doesn't mean you have to completely be in pitch black for a couple hours before bed, but, you know, do what you can. Maybe you don't need the overhead fluorescent lights. You don't need to go for that target run at night. Now that things are open, remember that fluorescent lighting is really disruptive to your circadian rhythms and you can't sleep. So I do a very extended nighttime routine because when I start my circadian fast, I can drink water or tea. And I usually have something like that uh, or sparkling water. And then I do a wind down routine, which includes skincare and kind of mindfulness because those are things I can do without the bright blue lights. These are things that my body can get used to as a kind of a wind down. I do not look at emails, have activating conversations, talk about my issues. Like these are no-nos for me at night because sleep hygiene includes also emotional hygiene. So you really want to figure out little pockets of the day that you can unwind and get that mental stress out so that it doesn't come haunt you at night. And we both know, and everybody listening knows that when you don't take care of it during the day, it pops up at you as you try to go to bed for so many of us. And then that disturbs your sleep. So my nighttime routine has completely transformed and starting with that circadian kind of living. And that's changed my life, honestly. I love that was one of my favorite things about your book was the circadian fast. And there's a couple things I want to add to that really quickly that I mentioned sometimes on the show is one, we are more naturally insulin resistant, especially us as women in the evening. So all those little snacky snacks, believe me, it is throwing your blood glucose off. It is throwing off your insulin levels. It's creating inflammation. Unfortunately, that's just the, the long and short of it. The other thing that a lot of women don't know is that, you know, we have to have that three hour window between eating and sleeping so that our cells, our brain cells, our glial cells can shrink down and let in the cerebral spinal fluid into our brain to clean up the amyloid plaques, the excess proteins and all the stuff. I call it the, the mega brain washing. And if we don't, if we're eating at 10 and we're going to bed at 11 or if we're eating at 11, we're going to bed at midnight, there, that wasn't enough time for the glial cells to shrink down to a quarter of their size to bring in the cerebral spinal fluid. And so if we want to prevent things like Alzheimer's, you know, dementia, brain fog, we, we've got to do that big gap, that circadian rhythm fast that you're talking about here. It, it's really a non-negotiable for us if we want our brain to function properly. I love that. 
All right, so let's talk about, I wanna talk about more fasting because not only is the circadian fast super critical, but a, another part of your book that I love you go into is again, another way to stress the mitochondria to get them to activate and make more ATP is through intermittent fasting. And we can do that on top of the circadian fasting as well. We can, we can combine them. But I know women are a little bit concerned about fasting. There's definitely a lot of nuances in there. Talk to me about what you have seen for women. I'm a big intermittent fast. I love me some intermittent fasting. So dive in, girl. Yeah, I love intermittent fasting. You know, I did what most women do. I wanted to be an A-plus student. If 16 hours is good, I want to do 18-plus. I tried to do that every single day, and I burned myself out. And that's the biggest mistake I see over and over and over again. It's like, Listen, if somebody told you that the goal is to run a marathon, you would never in a million years go and run 20 miles on the first day as a training method. No, you're going to hurt yourself. And if you try to do that again, go for an extended long run, you're going to hurt yourself almost irreparably. You really have to, as a new intermittent faster, ease into it. And with women, this is so critical because like we mentioned before, women have these things called infradian rhythms that, you know, 24, 28 day cycles for their hormones. And there is a time in our, our cycle that is almost in, impossible to do a long extended or stressful fast. You're going to kill somebody if yeah. you do a long extended yes. fast at the end yeah. of that luteal but, phase. Yeah, but don't you think that that's so crazy? I don't know if you, I never, I went to nutrition school. I went to medical school. Nobody told me the secret of, hey, you know what? In your late luteal phase, maybe you should ease up on all this crazy stuff that you do. And maybe you shouldn't, have that big project or the stressful activity, the workout, double workout, maybe you shouldn't try that on your late luteal phase, which for people who don't know, it's a week before your period. You are super stress sensitive. You are insulin resistant. You are cranky. You are tired. This is not the time to start a new type of fasting. If you've never done intermittent fasting before, don't try it that week. And so I realized I made all the mistakes. I did this extended fast, you know, long intermittent fast every day. And I did it during my late luteal phase. By the end of the week, I was feeling exhausted. I was feeling cranky. I was yelling at everyone. And I really felt like people need to know that intermittent fasting is good. But with women, you need to watch how you ease into it. Just go slow, like a circadian overnight fast. So I call them like a shorter circadian fast and then a push circadian fast. So it's still circadian in the sense that we're still starting early in the evening uh, instead of the traditional intermittent fast that starts like super late at night. We start, say, 6 or 7 p.m. in the evening. And then if you're doing a short fast, you might end it at 6 or 7 in the morning. 12 hours, that's good. If you're doing the extended fast, say you got good at this and you want to kind of extend it, I throw in three days of longer fasting. So that could be 15, 16, 17, 18, depending on the day. And then I alternate that with an easier fast. So one day push fast, one day like an easy circadian fast. Uh, one next day, another push circadian fast. And I kind of alternate and that has worked for me. It really does depend on your body though. If you are someone who is really, really sensitive to dieting and if you've ever had like a lot of us, lots of bad effects when you try to 
skip meals or whatever, you really want to not make your body think you're in starvation mode. You really want to ease that body in. And so I'm curious, how many hours do you do on a daily basis? That's such a great question. And I love that. And I'm so glad you brought up, you know, understanding our cycle, body literacy. Like you had said, we go to school, we all the nutrition classes, you know, the 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 class on understanding the endocrine system. And there's no, you know, so much was missed on understanding the menstrual cycle, right? And so I love that you spoke into that because there is absolutely ways in which that we can eat for our cycle. One of our, our probably a good colleague of both of ours, Dr. Stephanie Estima has a great book out talking about eating for your cycle. And I, I just love, you know, the ease and grace that goes into it. So we don't throw off insulin and cortisol and our other metabolic hormones. So when I, I listen to my body, I'll be honest with you, I'm still in postpartum. I don't have a period still. And so um, for me right now, that sweet spot is, you know, 13, usually 13 hours, 13 to 14 hours. I usually eat around six. And so I don't typically eat until 8 a.m. in the morning the next day. And I usually go to bed at 9.30. So I give myself that three plus hours, that circadian fast, so that my brain can go in and clean up shop at night um, and really repair. And then I wake up and I'll break my fast with always with protein, healthy fats, and a lot of fiber. Have you ever, um, now that you're used to doing that, and that's so perfect, do you ever have days where you, you know, you go out with your friends or family and you eat a late night meal. Like now when I do that, I feel so sick and I can't sleep well. And I realize, wow, this is what I've been doing all these years. Like I used to eat literally, I'd eat my dessert like next to my bed. And then, right? It's 1030. It's dessert time. Yeah. And then I wake up and I'd With be like, hangover. well, I gotta get that, gotta get that metabolism yeah. going. Like I gotta get, you know, even if I wasn't hungry, I would be eating something to kind of keep that metabolism going, which now we realize was such a fallacy that was fed to us by, you know, basically people who profit off of that. Mm, it's so true. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, I have learned so much about my body. And because I'm still in my postpartum phase, I'm more gentle with myself when I hadn't been pregnant and hadn't been in postpartum. I was very much following the same type of fasting that you're suggesting where we have those booster days and then days where we just, we're, it's not, we're not even doing it right. Like towards the end of our luteal phase into our menstrual cycle, it's just not the time for us to be pushing and fighting our bodies. And so I just love that this is all integrated into the book as well. And we, we, as women, we do know we need to be conscious of our bodies and, and intuitively listen to, you know, what, what does our bodies do? What is our bodies doing, looking and tracking our cycle on an app. So we know where we're at there. I think this is all so, so critical. And I also love that we, we are speaking into our mitochondrial function here, which is what we're, we're those are who's getting the beat down when we're when we are making these kind of rushing women decisions and not really honoring our body. Hundred percent. Now, Amy, honey, I want to know, you know, is there any little tidbit as we wrap up, any little tidbit that you want us all to walk away from? We've got to get the book. One, you want to dive into the program and how to really execute all of this. You got to get the book. I'm so effing tired. But anything else, you know, in your experience as a woman, in your wisdom, what would you love for us to walk away from? Uh, this This is a good one. Something I've been thinking a lot about over the last year is boundaries. And so time boundaries, people boundaries, energy boundaries. You don't have to give your energy to everyone and you don't have to receive energy 
from everyone. We were always told that this is your family, you're stuck with us, or, you know, this is your friends that you grew up with. And it's just not that way. If someone's bringing you down, bringing you negative energy, you need to stop your interactions with them. That doesn't mean if you don't want, like, I'm not a confrontational person. I will not go to that person that I've known for, you know, many years and say, you know what, I'm done, you know, talking to, but I just make that conscious decision that this person is no longer going to steal my energy. I'm not going to uh, talk to this person unless I have to. I'm not going to invite them if I don't need to. And setting up time boundaries, like everyone knows that they cannot text me after 8 p.m. because I've done the whole blue light thing. And that also gives me a boundary on replying and being always on. And so if I could say anything to women, I would say, put up those boundaries. They can be kind boundaries. They will make you a kinder, better person. Boundaries does not mean mean, mean girl stuff. Mm, that I love. So, so powerful. Ooh, girl, that is the wisdom mic drop that I was hoping for. Ooh, now we're going to go get the book. Where else would you love us to plug into? I have a weekly newsletter at amymdwellness.com and the website for the book is imsoeffingtired.com. I'm over at fastingmd on Instagram. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I'm going to have all the links in the show notes. Dr. Amy Shaw, thank you so much for coming on to the show, girl, and sharing your brilliance and your authentic vulnerability. Ooh, it was so, so good. Uh, thank you so much for having me. This was amazing. I cannot tell you how good it feels to know that I can relate to Amy's story so much. Given our histories of burnout and exhaustion and our determination to turn all around and find greater energy and health, literally, she is like a sister from another mother. What I love so much about Dr. Amy Shaw's recommendations in this episode is the ease of making simple changes, like going outside in the morning, starting with fat to break your fast, setting yourself up for success before bed, right? Resetting those circadian rhythms and doing it with a lot of ease and grace. Now, that first step to more energy is really to identify what's causing you to crash in the first place. For most of us, it's straight up lifestyle. It's how we live our life and what we prioritize. And I have a feeling that there's a good chance that you aren't the priority at all. You also may be feeling really stuck in your daily patterns and habits because we simply just get stuck in those habits. As I mentioned earlier, the body keeps score, whether it's due to chronic stress, trauma, or a combination of things. And we can just get stuck in these patterns and these loops that can be difficult to get out of. And so what I wanted to speak into is to ask yourself, how is you living your life contributing to more energy or contributing to less energy? Like what is draining you? What is causing you to feel so exhausted? I feel like that first step in really understanding what's going on with our energy levels is really analyzing our day-to-day -day life, looking at your life, looking how you're living your life, and then getting crystal clear about what is draining you versus what is giving you more energy, what is fueling you. Those are such critical questions to be asking yourself because I have a feeling that a lot of it is happening in your day-to-day. -day, and that's how we get to turn it all around. Now, 
If you're finding yourself feeling drained throughout the day, I do want to recommend checking out Dr. Amy Shaw's book because this is where the change happens, right? We get that information, we integrate it, and we begin to make those changes in our life. And it can start off super simple. And that's why I love my episode 272 because I know how hard it was to get my energy back. I know how hard it was to overcome that level of depletion. And it was by having simple wins that I could celebrate that really gave me hope, that gave me inspiration to keep on creating healthier habits over time. So please go grab Dr. Amy Shaw's book. It's going to be in the show notes for this episode 275. And go back and check out episode 272. It's like 18 minutes long. And you're going to find some instant and effective ways to boost your energy levels literally right now today. That was the point of that episode. And again, thank you so much for stopping by and listening in to the Essentially You podcast. If you haven't yet, subscribe and rate to this show so more women get to know about what we're doing here. And coming up on Tuesday, I am having an epic conversation with Dr. Aviva Ram. We are discussing the importance of hormonal intelligence and why we each need it. And I'm so excited for this conversation because this podcast is literally devoted to body literacy and hormone intelligence, because the more we know about our bodies, the better advocates we can be for our bodies. And I know Aviva feels the same exact way. So until then, have an amazing week. Check out the Friday episode and then check out next Tuesday with me and Dr. Aviva Ram. 